How has the ADP adjusted since last week when we did a Fantasy Pros Championship Draft Live? Who is going to come out top on top in this draft trying to win a $1 million grand prize? And what are the things you need to know in order to draft a competitive team and a championship million-dollar team in the Fantasy Pros Championship this year? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, keep staying tuned for this program tonight as we're going to give you pick-by-pick -pick coverage of a live Fantasy Pros Championship Draft, including an interview with a six-figure-plus winner in the FFPC, John Terry is going to hop aboard to talk about his draft tonight from the 11 spot. That is all coming up and more. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. The pressure, I've seen greater men. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Boltman and Farrell Elliott. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Welcome in to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. It is an hour early tonight. My apologies for the late start tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to ask, uh, uh, or not ask you, but I want to thank you for joining um, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight as you, we bring you once again a live HSFF Hour Fantasy Pros Championship Draft that you can see right now uh, on the board. Uh, it, the 12 teams, I'm going to introduce them to you uh, shortly here, ladies and gentlemen. The 12 teams in this draft are all competing for a $1 million grand prize. Again, this is the first time ever we have offered a $1 million grand prize in this format before, and these teams are going to be going up and, and trying to score the seven-figure grand prize tonight. Uh, if you want to participate in not only this draft or, or in this contest, go to myffpc.com. Uh, you can also participate in the FFPC main event, which has less than a week away from uh, FFPC main event drafts going on starting this coming week. You can win a million-dollar grand prize in that. You can win a million-dollar grand prize in the Fantasy Pros Championship tonight, a draft that we're covering live here. Fantasy football year-round is available at myffpc.com with the Dynasty formats, 1,300-plus leagues. Not a single one has ever folded. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, get notified. Every time we go live on this channel, want to welcome in my host, uh, co-host with the most. It is Farrell Elliott. You follow him on Twitter at Elliott. KFFSC.com is where to go for the Kentucky Fantasy Football Championship. Welcome in, Farrell. Thanks, uh, thanks for hopping aboard an hour early, an hour early tonight, man. So glad to have you. Well, that's easy for you to say, Bob. It's not easy for me to say. I cannot speak. What, what, cannot what, speak. What's happening here? Uh, I'm uh, I'm looking up the order of our draft tonight, and you know, for the, uh, Mason Spain is. Uh, is in the draft tonight along with Danny Mueller. And uh, we, when I total this up, we have five of our uh, KFFSC veterans uh, checking in, guys that you compete with on a regular basis. So this is going to be an exciting night. How did things go last night, Balky? Looking back, uh, Holly and uh, Cox were in that one. Mm -hmm. And uh, you and Dave Turp ran the show. How was everything over there? Well, I can tell you that Holly and Cox uh, had a pretty strong draft. We gave them a rave review 
Uh, on their spot. Yeah, for, they were in the two hole last night. We really loved what they did. Um, so we we're big fans of that. There were, um, you know, turf is obviously the harshest grader, obviously. And I think there was probably uh, four teams that he really liked last night. And after that, he, he was pretty harsh with them. And we had some of the teams, some of the drafters um, were actually live in, in the YouTube chat giving us commentary uh, in real time, which was always fun. Uh, obviously that. Um, let's get into the draft tonight. We're already in the third round. I, I apologize for my tardiness tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, in the draft tonight is uh, from the one spot, Danny Miller. The average Joe is picking from the one spot. Andrew Schellenberg, CIS, is uh, drafting from the two spot. Jason Nestler's Remy LeBeau is uh, drafting from the three spot. We're going to hear from Remy LeBeau here uh, in a little bit. Uh, picking in the uh, cleanup spot is Dakota McDonald's Baby Carrots. Uh, number five is Bob Hogan's Hooterville Arnold's. We talked with him last week on this program. And then, of course, John Laskowski's Romosexuals drafting in the sixth spot. Matthew Zimmer has his Pava franchise in the sixth. Tim Deneau, another former guest of the show tonight, he is uh, uh, picking from the eighth spot. Bad Petrat. Uh, from uh, from the Petri and Larson franchise. We saw Darren Larson draft last night. We're seeing Brad draft tonight. He is in the nine spot. Cody Labernick's big lab is in the 10 spot. John Terry, who will join us after the draft tonight for a full recap on this draft, as well as how his team turned out. He's drafting from the 11 spot. And of course, Bitcoin, BipLab Mandel, last week's guest is drafting from the 12 spot. Let's go through the first round, Farrell, as long as it's done. No real surprises here. You got Jefferson, Chase, Kelsey, Cup. Uh, Christian McCaffrey falls to the 105, Tyree Kill to the 106. You get Eckler and Bijan Robinson off the board as the two and three running backs here tonight. And then receivers the rest of the way. CeeDee Lamb, Stephon Diggs, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Garrett Wilson for the second straight night sneaking into the first round. Farrell, what do you make of Christian McCaffrey at the 105? I think Bob Hogan was really excited to get the first running back off the board with the fifth overall selection tonight. He's grinning ear to ear, and then I like the stack that he began to put together underneath it. And, yeah, there are no surprises. It uh, Stephon Diggs is bulletproof. No matter what the news that seems to come out of Buffalo, he's going to own that end of the first round. Uh, St. Brown is a player that I think you, you can, as far as the Las Vegas numbers are concerned this year, you could definitely bet him going over his yards and catches mm -hmm. this year. Yeah, I, I like the way the first round is together. And you know what? If you want Travis Kelsey, doesn't matter where you are in the first round, go ahead and draft him. According to Fantasy Mojo, fantasymojo.com, at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, Darren Armani, the godfather of the FFPC Pros versus Joe's contest. Anytime we cite ADP on this program, it is through Darren Armani. He has Travis Kelsey over the last three days in the Fantasy Pros Championship. At the 103, he has creeped up to the second overall pick. So 103 on the aggregate, the second overall pick in real life, uh, the tight end. The first tight end off the board is Travis Kelsey, and he's going pretty high. That's the first round. We look at the second round here tonight. Uh, Bip Lab starts off with Garrett Wilson and A.J. Brown. Saquon Barkley to John Terry at the 202. We see Tony Pollard going off the board at the 205, followed by Nick Chubb at the 207, a couple of running backs back-to-back. -back. Mark Andrews falls tonight at the 209. Najee Harris, Chris Olave, and Derrick Henry creeping up to the 212. Uh, you look at Baby Carrots, Dakota McDonald's team here, Farrell, in the second round. Mark Andrews was a first-round pick in the Fantasy Pros Championship last night. He falls all the way to, to, to the 209, the Baby Carrots. Dakota McDonald had to be super excited to see Andrews fall that far. If you were in a draft like this, would you let Andrews fall that far, or is this appropriate, what you're looking at here? Hmm. You know, that's appropriate, but, you know, I get the feeling 
the baby carriage is stuck in 2022 and maybe with a foot in 2021. I don't particularly like Cup this high this year. Okay. And Andrews, I think, you know, that may be a reach. Nobody else took a tight end. I guess Andrews would have been gone by the time he gets back. But I, I just um, – his first-round pick concerns me more than the Andrews pick. So, yeah, that's where – Okay. All right. That, and that's fair. Uh, let's go through the third round here before we start analyzing some of these uh, players, and we'll get to uh, Bob Hogan, who is drafting tonight from the five spot. We're going to get to him in a little bit. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback off the board at the 301. Jameer Gibbs at the 302 tonight, ladies and gentlemen. DK Metcalf, the 14th receiver taken at the 303. Ramondre Stevenson is the first running back off the board to Dakota McDonald's Baby Carrots franchise at the 304. Jalen Hurts, second quarterback drafted by Bob Hogan at the 305 in this draft. Josh Jacobs off the board to pair with Nick Chubb in the backfield, uh, along with Tyreek Hill to John Laskowski there. TJ Hawkinson, the third tight end, falls to the 307 tonight, followed by T. Higgins. T. Higgins will be the first wide receiver drafted by former FFPC main event overall champ Tim Deneau here. Josh Allen is the third quarterback off the board to bed. P uh, Brad Petri. Debo Samuel, the only team, I beg your pardon, one of two teams to start with three receivers tonight. Debo Samuel off the board to Cody Labernick's team at the 10 spot tonight to go with Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen and Calvin Ridley wrapping up the 12th, uh, the 12th overall pick in the third round. Calvin Ridley joining A.J. Brown and Garrett Wilson on Biplab Mandel's franchise. Third round was chock full of quarterbacks. Farrell, how do you approach a Fantasy Pros Championship draft? How do you approach an FFPC main event draft? Is the third round when you start looking at quarterbacks? Because three of our 12 drafters did exactly that tonight. If you want one of these guys, you're going to have to. That's where they're going to go if they don't go earlier than that. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how these guys build their team the rest of the way. Do they even pick another quarterback? If yeah. you have an idea of something at the 9, 10, 11 turn that you really believe is going to hit, you can then go ahead and begin to pay uh, up for a quarterback. And so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this this comes together for these guys. But, yeah, you can't make any arguments for these. And I love what uh, Bob Hogan is doing with his uh, Eagle stack so far. Yeah, and, and Eagle stacks are going to be popular this season. We'll talk no about Bob. In fact, in, I'll tell you what, let's, let's do this right now. We're about halfway through the fourth round. Let's bring on a guy we had on last week to talk about his draft, and, and we'll bring him on right now, the Hooterville – Arnold's oh, franchise wow. owner, uh, KFFSC, longtime player in the KFFSC. Let's bring on Bob Hogan right now. I think he is he is paying attention. Bob, you are about to be up here in the fourth round. You already have McCaffrey, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Hurts. Congrats on the Eagles stack. What are you looking at here in the fourth round? Because there's a variety of opportunities for you here, man. Yeah, there's a, a lot of equal, equal kind of guys. I did like the stack I took on Smith and Hurts. I wasn't all that sold that I that I really wanted uh, Hurts that early, but when I got Smith, it was almost a no-brainer for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a pretty good idea what I'm going to do, but let's see what happens here in the next pick. Uh, I will say uh, I'm not taking another quarterback. <laughs> quarterback on the on the board for you know, Farrell. Uh, we laugh at that, but there are teams that would do that. You know, there yeah. are teams that would absolutely do that. All right, Bob, you're up. Yep, and, man, I hate taking this guy as often as I'm taking him, but uh, 
I took Hopkins. Yeah, why not? Okay, so so let's talk about the DeAndre Hopkins pick here, Bob, because you already had a receiver. This is your second overall pick uh, for receivers here. To pair with Devontae Smith, you go with DeAndre Hopkins at the 408. Now, according to Darren Armani's um, uh, Fantasy Pros Championship uh, ADP, Hopkins over the last three drafts, wide receiver 23 at the 503. So you had to believe that he probably was not coming back to you. Why was it important to get Hopkins here at the end of the fourth round for you, or the mid-fourth round for you? Well, it kind of looked to me like it was between him and Watson and Godwin, and I just don't know who's throwing the ball to Godwin. Um, so I, I didn't really want to take him. None of the running backs really stood out for me over the others. Um, so I, I did not think I would grab a running back there. Um, like I said, there was no way I was taking a quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. You can look at the the tight end group. The next tight end group are probably sixth rounders in my mind. So that uh, I didn't see anything I especially liked uh, in that uh, in that spot, but I felt like Hopkins was the best uh, upside. Same thing as last week. I I liked his upside. Don't know where he's going to be, but uh, and, and, got got to like that. Look at it this way, fellas. With it. After your pick of Hopkins, the next two receivers, Watson and London. And, you know, we don't have our landing spot for Hopkins, but we do expect great returns for him. Watson is a risk, although a good risk, a risk I'm willing to take. Uh, Drake London is a developing player. But do either of them, the, the best of their outcomes with an average Hopkins outcome, what do you think is going to be a bigger fantasy score? I think average Hopkins is is probably outscores the best we can expect from Watson and London. And look at this, Bob's picking again. Well, yeah, Bob, I, I took Bob, uh, I took the what I thought was the the last tight end in a tier, and the teams to the left of me all have tight ends. So, um, you know the the teams to the right don't. So it's probably the time to take that one uh, if it is the end of a tier. Wasn't totally sold sold on Goddard. Uh, again, back to Hopkins versus Watson and London. Uh, I've got quite a bit of London, but I don't know what the passing to him or the passing to Watson is really going to be like. So Hopkins is almost almost as much of a known as as they are in terms of the who you know how he's going to get the ball thrown to him, uh, and he's a he's a known talent. And when you look at Goddard's production from last year, guys, you, you just take a look at the stats and you say, oh, that's a drop-off. Then you realize he was only active for 12 games. And he was he, some of those early games, he was slightly disabled. So he was in a situation where when he began to play healthy before he was unavailable, uh, he was he was uh, really spiking with some numbers. I, I like what you did there, Bob. All course, right, Bob. That, that, that last thing I'll say, that also means I'm going to have uh, – the cheer for the Eagles every time they go out yes. and beat. There you go. That's that's what I'm saying. Like fly Eagles just, fly, baby. You can slice this any way you want, but you took Hertz, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. Three of your first five picks are Philadelphia Eagles. Bob, when you consider um you know trying to beat thousands of other teams in this contest, I, I wonder you know, you look at the Eagles like, oh my God, you're you're gonna be dead in the water if, if the Eagles don't hit. But if they do, I mean this could be the path to a million-dollar grand prize. 
you know, the way I look at it, Hopkins has upside and McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey. I was really happy to get him in 1.05. So I like the start I've got, but you know, if it's like most weeks, I will, uh, I'll blow it here in, in round six. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. Hey, um, Bob, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Bob, you are, um, where, and, and I don't know if we'll get a chance to visit, um, you know, for the remainder of the program, you're basically 25% through this draft. I know you drafted last Friday on this program as well. Can you give us a, a sort of an insight into how this, these first five picks for you this week rate with your first five picks of last week's draft? Well, it's a, it's a whole lot different because last week I did pretty much a zero RB approach, which is not my favorite, but it just kind of fell that way. Um, this board seems to be a lot more balanced between uh, receivers and running backs, um, especially up through that, uh, that Chubb pick in the second round. So I didn't see any, any reason to go running back, running back there. So that I've got a quite balanced team at this point, And that's what I think I will probably continue with versus last week's wide receiver heady, uh, heavy pick. I, uh, I I wish you good luck the rest of the way um, in, in this in this draft tonight, Bob. I do I appreciate and, and when we go through these these teams at the end of the draft, I, I think we're going to give you a thumbs up on this draft. I I don't want you to let the cat out of the bag or or let our listeners know and our viewers know what you're thinking here. But are you done adding Philadelphia Eagles to this team? Well, unless they uh, they trade and pick up. You know, uh, Miles Sanders back or something. That I'm <laughs> likely done with them. Get Boston Scott in your queue, Bob. Wait for those double-digit rounds. Get that giant killer in your queue. He didn't. He didn't retire three years ago. <laughs> that, not to my knowledge. And 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 as far as the Carolina Panthers go, they're hoping that he didn't retire as well. So there are some. There's some other players out there tonight as we look at the Eagles. Obviously. DeAndre Swift still out there. There's some other running backs. Gainwell out there as well. We'll see if the Hooterville Arnolds become the Philadelphia Arnolds going forward as they already have Smith, Hertz, and Goddard. Bob, great job so far in this draft. Thanks for chiming in. Good luck the rest of the way, man. We really appreciate you uh, joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to talk to you too. Absolutely. Bob Hogan, ladies and gentlemen, the general manager, president of football operations, head coach, of the Hooterville Arnold's franchise, Great, drafting from the five spot tonight. McCaffrey, Devontae Smith, Hertz, Hopkins, and Goddard have joined his team. Let's join into uh, let, let's go through the fifth round here, Farrell. Darren Waller off the board at the 501 to the average Joe. That is longtime FFPC player um, and very successful player. Danny Miller taking uh, his tight end uh, off the board in Darren Waller tonight at the 501. Darren Waller, by the way, if you look at the um, the mojo on this. He's normally the tight end six at the 505. Farrell, I said that he is going to keep climbing up these draft boards uh, till we get to training camp based on the underwhelming reports we've received from the Giants receivers this year. I like Darren Waller this year. I said I'm going to have a lot of shares of him, um, and I like where Danny Miller is going here. Again, it's about a third of a round to a half round of a reach on Waller. I think it's going to be worth it, and when you consider that uh, Danny already had a running back, two receivers, and a quarterback, I like the Waller pick at 501. Um, it is going to be feast or famine with Waller, and I would bet with him rather than against him. And, yes, I like him better than the two tight ends that went off the board after him. I think mm -hmm. what we've got to see 
and, and I don't understand the, the negative commentary on the giant receiver core. I think they're, they're, it would be generous to call them talented, but I think they play well as a unit. And I think that'll only help Waller. And, I, and if we see Waller line up uh, more as a typical uh, slot receiver, uh, and and then we see uh, Behringer, the second-year player, uh, line up as the inline tight end. We can even like Waller better, and I think that's what's going to happen. But what are you talking about, Boston Scott and Carolina? What Boston Scott's still an Eagle, right? He's still an Eagle, but oh. I'm just saying, like like Eagles and Panthers for the Hooterville Arnolds here. We'll see what happens. Oh, I so. see. But like, you're hard to keep up with. Who's well, no, that's because listen, I, my um, who is the my, Panther? My my Miles Sanders is the Panther. I'm going to but tell you he's this. He's right not now. even on the team yet. He was just talking about him coming back to be an eagle. My brother, I'll tell you this. My my family always said my little brother. His, his we never understood what he was saying because he would say these random <laughs> things that nobody understood what he was talking about. But my dad told me when I was a young 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 lad that my younger brother, listen, Eric, your brother's mind works at 90 miles an hour. The rest of us are at 40 miles an hour. Oh, so we just yeah. got to try to keep up, even though it doesn't make sense. That's what I'm doing tonight. You just got to keep up with me. I'm sorry. Um, question from the chat tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Eric in the YouTube chat is commenting on Team 2 tonight. That's Andrew Schellenberg, who I'm hopeful will join us at some point before the end of the draft tonight. I know he's had a heck of a day. Uh, but he says, Deontay Johnson, still a value. Olave keeps climbing. Could we see him go late in the first by August? Now, Chris Olave went at the 211 tonight. And by the way, thank you so much, uh, Eric, for, for, for you chiming in on this. Uh, Chris Olave, 211 tonight. Can we see him go um, in the, you know, even at the end of August? Could we see him go in the first round? I am skeptical on that. 212 right now, Farrell, he'd have to jump over a lot of players. Mark Andrews, Nick Chubb, Devontae Adams, Garrett Wilson, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, A.J. Brown, you know, all those players, he'd have to find a way to jump up. I don't think Olave is going to go late first round, although I do like him late in the second, early in the third. I think this was good value here from Clutch Like Shelly, who you hear on the Goat District podcast. I like the pick here from Olave at the 211. Don't see him ascending, though, uh, much past that, 211. The most important question that we can answer for Eric is, can he play like a first rounder? Yes. He can outplay Wilson. He could play as well as St. Brown. He could play as he could play as well as any of these guys at the end of the roster. So, you know, congratulations on that player. And, and we like it. I mean, it's a solid pick here. Kyle oh, Pitts goes in last year, if you recall. We we yeah, we, we did. We, we absolutely him. did. Um. So so you're looking at um, uh, Kyle Pitts going off the board at the 502 tonight. As far as the rest of the fifth round, there's not a whole lot I want to comment on. Miles Sanders ends up going as the number two uh, running back for Biplab Mandel, who just was giving his props to uh, Andrew Schellenberg's team. He loves the two spot tonight. Gibbs, Swift, Pitts, uh, and then the receivers, Chase Olave, Watson, and Mike Williams. Let's get into the sixth round here tonight, Farrell. Alexander Madison off the board at the 601. We know Dalvin Cook is not figuring into the Vikings' plans. Uh, Alexander Madison goes at the 601 tonight. When you look at Madison – uh, from a fantasy perspective, is that the spot you want to draft him at? He's normally going at the 509. So uh, Team 12 and Bipla Mandel got a little bit of a deal tonight on him. Is Alexander, uh, Alexander Madison going to return late fifth round value, early sixth round value this year? Um, He could, but uh, I would rather, with, with the other players that are available, I would rather see it 
and I, I would have gone with some of these other running backs. Um, I, I would rather see it first. And and based on where we're picking and um, who was the first back that went after him, the first two. Javante Williams and Dalvin yeah. Cook went after I, him in the mid-sixth. Yeah, these guys, I think, um, these guys, I think, have a bigger upside than Madison. Deontay Johnson went to John Terry tonight at the 602. And obviously, Eric in the YouTube chat uh, already said that he is still a value in dress. Farrell, when you consider Kenny Pickett as the quarterback there, obviously the rise of Pat Fryermuth, the rise of George Pickens, uh, and now the addition of Allen Robinson, you still have Najee Harris and Jalen Warren there. Do you still view Deontay Johnson as a value? at the 602 in this draft, especially for John Terry, who drafts him as the number four receiver on his team. I want to move on. It, it looks like Pittman went after him. I would have taken Pittman. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have taken Burks. Uh, amongst all these receivers, uh, we can go to the seventh round. I like a couple of these guys that have already gone off the board uh, in, in the seventh round. Am I a Deontay Johnson fan? I think the best fantasy numbers have been put up uh, previously, uh, in, in previous seasons for Deontay Jones. What do you, what do you make of, uh, you don't like, and, and team 10 is on the clock right now. That's Cody Labernick's team. The, the big lab team, big uh, lab. already four receivers on this roster, one running back, one quarterback, you kind of poo poo the Traylon Burks pick. Was that because uh, Big Lab already had three receivers on his team? Or is this a case of, like, you get to the early sixth, the mid-sixth round, you're not a fan of Burks? I'm not a fan of Burks, particularly for fantasy football players. I think he's in a struggling situation. I've yet to see him uh, play as a professional consistently. And uh -huh. he's in a situation where I'm not sure the delivery issues with the ball that, that plagued Tennessee last year will exist this year. And I look at his team and I see a lot of players that I really like, but with the exception of Samuel, all of them are at risk of doing a little less than they did last year. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that they are not great players, but Kittle, we've covered it so many times on, uh, on this show. He's asked to do so many things in that office that will he get the catches to take advantage of the 1.5? I think he'll get the touchdowns. Um, and, and now, you know, as we move on through the seventh round, I really like what he's done here because he just drafted a, a rookie player with significant upside. You know, uh, Farrell, as we move through the sixth round here, I, I should ask you uh, a little bit about what you think of um, – let, let's start off with um, uh, Rashad White here, a player mm -hmm. Turp and I talked about quite a bit last night uh, in the draft, and I think this is a polarizing player in FFPC, KFFSC, mm -hmm. Fantasy Pros drafts. Uh, he was drafted tonight at the 609 as the number two running back to Baby Carrots. That's Dakota McDonald's team. We, when you look at Rashad White here in the 609, we're getting a lot of positive reports from the Tampa Bay beat writers as far as him being a successful player this year, um, being the alpha, being a guy who's going to catch a lot of passes. Is that the type of player that you want to be in business with if you need a running back in the mid to late sixth round? Um, are you looking at Rashad White because of the potential upside um, also considering the fact that Tampa Bay could resign another running back like Leonard Fournette or a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt. There's plenty of guys out there. When you consider the, the uh, reward versus the risk for Rashad White in the sixth round, which end do you fall in on? Okay, well, this is Big Lab, right? Team number four? Team four is Dakota McDonald. Fifth lab oh, draft from the 12th. Yeah. Very good. Okay, Dakota, you know, we talked about Dakota's team early. I think he gave uh -huh. it some legitimacy 
when he jumped in here and paired Jackson uh, with Andrews. But to answer your question here, uh, and, and in the fifth round, he got Christian Kirk, which I, I love that pick. And mm -hmm. I think it's probably a little higher than Darren has him, but that's fine. Here I would have uh, followed up with another of the receiver. I would have followed up with Kadarius Tony. He could have had David Montgomery available. I like the fact that Montgomery should get a lot of carries. So, I, you know, we're projecting with White. Uh, I just see a lot of problems with the team. I see some down and distance issues. I, White better be able to catch the ball out of this backfield to give sixth round value uh, yeah, for in the FFPC this year. Final pick I want to talk about with you, Farrell, in the sixth round is James Conner. Uh, he goes at the 6-12 tonight to average show our good buddy Danny Miller, a longtime FFPC and KFFSC player, a guy who has uh, accumulated numerous titles. Uh, as far as uh, his KFFSC and FFPC career experience goes. He's a champ. He is a champ. And he gets James Conner here. Now, running back 26 at the 701, this is you know pretty much where you're looking at Conner here as far as ADP. I continue to think, and maybe it's because I've been listening to Matt Schauf over at DraftSharks.com, maybe a little bit too much. But I'll tell you this, I've become a James Conner fan this year. And when you look at how he's constructed his team, he's got two receivers. He got his elite tight end in Waller. He gets arguably the best quarterback in the game in Patrick Mahomes. He pairs James Conner with Derrick Henry. I like this pick for him at the end of the sixth round. I think this can do him a lot of justice. And I think people in the FFPC are underrating how good Conner could be, albeit on a team that is probably going to struggle in Arizona this year. Yeah, they are. But uh, Connor has been a performer for struggling teams before. And I think that that's something that we can, that he can hang his hat on. I, uh, uh, yeah, they had a running back. And when I say they, uh, a good friend, Danny Mason, Spain is with him on this team. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I there. there's nothing wrong with that pick. I love what they did to start the seventh round, so that's just fantastic. Yeah, Mason Spain, uh, Danny Mueller's protege, uh, Mueller being the mentor, already chiming in on the YouTube chat. <laughs> he says, give Danny credit for the good picks, but if there's any ones we don't like, we will give them to Mason Spain. Uh, so, Mason, <laughs> we appreciate that, man, uh, as they are drafting from the one spot tonight. A dangerous duo in Spain and Mueller from the one spot. Let's get into the seventh round here tonight, Farrell. A bunch of receivers off the board. The first one I want to talk about is, go once again, Dakota McDonald's team. Uh, we're, 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 we're zeroing in on this team quite a bit. Marquise Brown is the third receiver that McDonald drafts tonight, this time at the 704, wide receiver 36. I look at the Cardinals. We just talked about James Conner being a successful running back for this squad, you know, that could struggle this year. Man, I love Marquise Brown on this team. Without DeAndre Hopkins, I think he could be a huge, huge difference maker in fantasy football. Trey McBride, yeah, he's going to take a step forward. I remain unconvinced that uh, Rondale Moore is going to be a thing. Boy, I love my, myself some Marquise Brown here in the seventh round. Great pick, in my opinion, by Dakota McDonald here. Wide receivers that played on bad teams. Let's look at Michael Pittman last year, 99 yeah. for the Colts. Um, yes, Brown will catch a lot of balls. Uh, he'll escape. He still runs routes, uh, and he still runs the skinny posts better than many receivers in the game. And it's a situation where with the receiver lineup that he has, I think he needs to quit drafting wide receivers. He can go ahead and start drafting some running backs because he's got – He's got the guys that he's going to click off and put three of them in his lineup every week, and he's got one of the better tight ends. I like what's coming together here. 
You know, I I, I want to ask you about Justin Fields here at the mm-hmm. 706 for ski. This is John Laskowski, a guy I compete with in a couple of other uh, private dynasty leagues here. And ski does really good here to get Justin Fields a full two rounds after his ADP. You look at his squad. He already had the three running backs. He had three receivers. But, Farrell, this is what makes the Fields pick so great is he made it all the way back to him in the mid-seventh. He already has DJ Moore on this team. He has the hookup with Fields and Moore. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but if he doesn't want to play the Fields Moore uh, pick, there is a chance that he could get Tunga Bailoa to pair him with T- Tyreek Hill here, uh, who he took with the first uh, his first overall pick uh, tonight at the 106. There's a lot of possibilities for dominance here. And I look at the upside, you know, in, in, in Jamison Williams. I look at the upside in, in Josh Jacobs in the third round, Kenneth Walker in the fourth, and obviously Tyreek Hill in the first round. There's a lot to love here. But, man, I really love that Justin Fields pick at the 706. Great value for Ski tonight here. You know, sometimes if you wait on quarterback when everybody else is jumping, you know, you're going to get that value. And that's that's really – this team is – this team is constructed very, very well. I like Brandon Ayuk. I like his opportunities to, yeah, with with the team he's putting together, he's going to be tempted at a lot of second quarterbacks to add to this. And, and I imagine he might be looking ahead at the schedule uh, to, to see what's uh, – to see which one to pair to fields. It's going to be tough to take fields off the field, but if you have fields and a Tua, now that, that gets exciting. And Ooh, you yeah. have a decision to make every week. And you'll probably be able to make the right one. And and, and I'll say this, too. Like, I don't want to pin Tua Tungavailoa to um, uh, John Laskowski here as he's on the clock. But he did get Jamison Williams. We know the big money is paid later on in the season. Jared Goff is a possibility here, too. A lot of different ways that the Romosexuals could go here with John Laskowski. Let's talk about the, uh, the remainder of the uh, seventh round here. The Cook brothers, Matthew Zimmer. At the seventh spot, Pava is cooking. Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook in the sixth, James Cook in the seventh. Farrell, when you consider that Dalvin Cook is still a free agent, James Cook has to deal with some other, um, you know, you know, Damian Harris and some other players in the Buffalo Bills backfield. Which one of those picks do you love more for Pava here and Matthew Zimmer? You like Dalvin Cook in the sixth better or James Cook in the seventh? I love the Dalvin Cook pick. We've we've positioned him several weeks ago as going to Miami. I understand he has an offer. I suppose he's waiting to see if Denver can do something to free up some money to get uh-huh. him there. That's his old, that's his old front office connection uh, in Denver. I don't know how long that offer will stay on the table in Miami, but that's going home for Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook will get a little home cooking as a Dolphin. Fifteen rushes a game is all he's going to need to be a big fantasy contributor um, to this team. Farrell, the left side of the board sort of took care of tight ends early on. Uh, Remy LeBeau, that's Jason Nessler, took care of Travis Kelsey in the um, in the first round. Mark Andrews went up the board to McDonald in the second round. You're looking at Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, all going to teams on the left side of the board. You look at the right side of the board, a lot of these teams are waiting on tight ends. Now, Zimmer grabbed Hawkinson in the third round. Kittle went off the board to Cody Labernick um, in, the, in the fourth round. But then you look at these other tight ends. We saw three of them go off the board in the eighth round tonight. Pat Fryermuth was Bip Lab Mandel's first tight end. David Njoku, the first tight end drafted by John Perry. And then Dalton Kincaid, the starting tight end off the board to bed, uh, Brad Petri here at the 804. Of those tight ends that went in the span of four picks, which one of those three is your favorite tight end pick in the eighth round? Fryermuth. Um, however, 
there's been some quite I'd like to see him in the preseason. I'd like to see him move a little bit. There's been some mm-hmm. questions about his overall health. And he's he's you know, he's played a lot of games. He hasn't missed many games. Uh, that body may be taking a little time to get back to where it needs to be. But as as far as my favorite tight end, that that's the guy I like. Kincaid is the mystery. And you know, that that's as Petra making that pick. If so, he's uh he's uh Old foosball is taking the risk that you know those are the ones that make uh, uh, Petra and Larson famous. You know they, yep. they make the move everybody wishes they did, and and Kincaid has the resume. Let's see who else he puts together at the position as we move through. But that's a that's an interesting player to grab there. Uh, you know another interesting player, and I feel like Farrell, I'm going to draft him quite a bit this year. I already have been drafting him quite a bit. And you look at um, Cody Labernick's team at the ten spot tonight. Cam Akers off the board in the fifth round. That was his first running back, but he gets a second running back in Isaiah Pacheco. And this mm-hmm. is an interesting player to me because he should be the lead running back for the Super Bowl champions. He should be the lead running back on a team that is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. He should be the lead running back on a team that's going to put up a lot of points and you could get him in the eighth round. You get him as big lab Cody Labernick does here in the eighth round as his number two running back. The way that he has constructed his team, he gets five receivers plus an elite tight end before that, and then he gets Pacheco in the eighth round. I think he's doing this right. He needed to. Boy, that's the best thing that fell to him. And I'm I'm shocked that Pacheco – If I, I don't think our fantasy players are going back and watching some of his runs. Just go watch the highlight reel on this player. He is impossible to tackle. He's a fantastic ca- uh, pass catcher. Sure, he plays in an offense with a lot of mouths to feed, but you know when push comes to shove, an aggressive, physical, fast running back is very, very valuable in the NFL. Consequently, very, very valuable to us when the Chiefs get the ball in the red zone. And he needed that pick because Cam Akers is his lead back. I don't, I don't really want to be in business with Cam Akers at all. Uh, the Rams uh, have not put together. A, a team that um, uh, that convinces me that they're going to emerge from the malaise that they were in last year. Stafford has had one good year. Uh, it was the Super Bowl year, and after that, it, things have been difficult. Uh, Cam Akers, if you'll recall, took two games off last week just because he was, or last year just because he was in a bad mental space. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not a big Akers guy here. I think this team needed running back. And what a bargain they got in Pacheco. And and uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak pointing out that Pacheco is hurt right now, um, mm. and which which is something we should be paying attention to. No no argument there. Um, the latest update we received from Isaiah Pacheco uh, from Nate Taylor, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic. Uh, the Chiefs are quote hopeful that he returns midway through training camp. Torn labrum, broken bone in his hand last year. He played through the issues. He needed surgery for both after the season. He is still recovering from that. Now, Taylor in this report on The Athletic also highlighted the undrafted free agent, Daenerys Prince, who I have heard from numerous high-stakes players that they are fans of uh, as a player to know during minicamp. Now, 
Prince is going to see a lot of run on special teams, obviously. But if Pacheco does not recover as fast as, as the Chiefs want him to, maybe Prince takes on a bigger role. To me, I would ignore Prince at that point, and then you start focusing on guys like McKinnon, maybe Clyde Edwards-Alaire who would take on a bigger role. I think the Chiefs would be more trustworthy of those players. But that is part of the reason that Pacheco is slipping tonight. I want to get into the YouTube chat. We, we've been missing on a lot of stuff here uh, in, in, uh, as far as people chiming in, Farrell, we got a question from our good buddy, Rich Billu, who was uh, not only, um, a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, one of the biggest contributors to last night's broadcast on the better sports network, uh, of our fantasy pros championship draft, which you can yeah, watch. So back. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Fantasy pros, uh, championship draft, uh, coverage from myself and Terp. Uh, you can wa- go back and watch it on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook here. He wants to know, do you think that Alan Robinson, is going to take away from some of the Pat Fryermuth targets this year. We don't necessarily, and Rich, we thank you for the question, we don't necessarily think of Allen Robinson anymore as a target monster, but certainly uh, the impact on Pat Fryermuth is something we should discuss here. Um, no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is. We're not going to discuss it. There's your answer, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great night. We appreciate you watching. There is a clear and defined route running role for the tight end in Pittsburgh. It's been that way forever. And uh, this, this type of player uh, is not a player that's going to disappear because actually he's, he's probably as far as a pass catcher, he's a you know, different kind of player, obviously, but as far as pass catching skills, run after the ball skills, the ability to get open, the ability to block away the defender. Friar Muth is all those things that Robinson at this point in his career isn't. And uh, the, um, I just, uh, no, I, the tight end targets are, are locked into this offense. You know, I, I should bring up this as well, and this is something I just flashed on the board, but now we have a chance to talk about it. Mason Spain, who's co-managing the team at the one spot tonight with Danny Miller, says, when, and we're talking about Pacheco, when's the last time the player that, quote-unquote, should be the Chiefs' lead running back actually ends up as the Chiefs' lead running back? And thank you, Mason, for, for that question. And I'll tell you this, Farrell, and, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, I, I think Mason has a solid point. But we're not drafting. This is not 2019 or whatever it was when we were drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the middle of the first round. Now we're seeing all these Chiefs running backs' values depressed. And at this point, when you're drafting for a million bucks, as these 12 players are, you're just trying to get a piece of it. Get a piece of the Chiefs' rushing offense. Get Isaiah Pacheco. Get Jarek McKinnon, who um, uh, uh, the Dizzle chimed in as a good pick right now. Get these guys in your draft. And maybe they pan out, maybe they don't. But at this point, you are not investing heavily into the Chiefs' backfield because you don't have to to try to get a piece of it. That's brilliantly said, Balky, and I will follow that up to Mason, that here in the FFPC and the KFFSC, we are not living in fear. We're drafting the players we love, and we love Pacheco. We love McKinnon. And we're, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, but I'm going to answer that, that question on the running back depth chart from Kansas City. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure that out. When was the last time? Oh, uh, you do that. You, no, you do. It. I would love to say we're gonna we'll get our intern on that, but we don't have an intern no. yet. PC, so I I can't I can't I can't sick him on you. Uh, for that. But that's okay. That's okay because we've got plenty of other stuff to talk about. Uh, the homosexuals here. John Laskowski ended up taking Alvin Kamara tonight at the nine oh six, and Joe King, who is watching this broadcast on YouTube right now, chimed in. What do we think about Kamara? 
and he says he's assuming a six-game suspension. I don't know if that's the proper assumption. And by the way, Joe, we appreciate you chiming in. I don't know if that's the proper assumption. It certainly could be the correct assumption. I don't know if I'm assuming that. To me, Farrell, while I'm concerned about the suspension, the drop-off in play from Alvin Kamara at the end of last season weighs on me more. And that's that's the biggest concern I have with Kamara. Now, you look at who took him here. John Laskowski already had Chubb. He already had Jacobs. He already had Kenneth Walker. Kamara is his number four running back. He can afford to screw that pick up. But you get Kamara at the, Kamara at the 906. If he ends up hitting and the suspension is small, boy, you're looking at a really talented team here to win a million dollars. Exactly. And Kamara, um, I, I, people around the, the league are talking about how Kamara may dodge a bullet in this situation. Um uh, there's there's a lot of questions around this, even though there are, there's some indisputable evidence for video and this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just have to see. But whenever he's available and if he does come back with fresh legs after a suspension, he could be one of the most impressive uh, guys that you could stash on your roster. And uh, so, you know, Dizzle's got uh, – Dizzle's got Camaro going to jail. Uh, well, he said it's a non-zero chance, which is right. He could be in prison at this, at, at, you know, in, in fantasy football drafting season. So you are drafting a little bit on faith here. Well, you know, if it's a prison in Louisiana, they'll let you out on furlough to play football on the weekends. So <laughs> this is this is the real life Paul Cruz. These people right? have priorities down there, and that's a that's a good one. If Alvin Kamara goes to prison. The warden will have him head up the prison team to tune up the prison guards. To, the to prison answer guards. Uh, Mason Spain's question, 1969, Mike Garrett. I found it. It's oh, hold on. Okay, so so Mike Garrett, the Mike last Garrett. time the last time the Chiefs running back that we thought was going to be the Chiefs guy, mm-hmm. it was Mike Garrett back in '69. Yeah, and he still had a he still had to share uh, time with the traditional fullback Robert Holmes. And we heard some some people trying to answer this in the YouTube chat. Uh, people answered Priest Holmes. But Mason pointing out that Priest Holmes did indeed start out as a backup to Larry Johnson mm-hmm. in, in Kansas City, which I think is correct, actually. Um, we so are some- good on Kansas City history. And uh, by the way, I was with the Dizzle all the way on the Hernandez thing, by the way. Yeah. And, and Well, it, here's the thing. that Dizzle just chimed in here, and I'll post it here. He said he remembered when people laughed when Dizzle said – that Hernandez actually killed people until they realized no, yeah, he, he actually did. And he actually did. Um, so, so that's where we're at on that. And, and I think there's that, you know, that's worth pointing out here. And by the way, I know it's, and I don't want to dwell on this because it's going to bring everybody down, but um, Alvin Kamara, there is video of him hitting this guy. There was no video of Hernandez actually, you know, pulling the trigger or whatever on that. But the fact that we have video, that is a significant thing as uh, what we saw with Ray Rice. It's what we saw with Tyree Kill too. And this is something that not that I want to bring it back to the first round tonight for John Laskowski here, Farrell, but are you surprised after we saw the reports from the Miami Dade police department about this Tyree Kill thing, where he actually did assault somebody where he slapped a, a guy on the back of the neck and then offered him $200 of which the guy turned him down. Again, this is all reported. I don't know how accurate this is, but the fact that Tyreek Hill is still going in the mid-first, would you be okay and being on board with drafting Hill that early? I think so, because he offered the guy $200, Bucky. You know, he, mm-hmm. got a, you know, he offered the guy. 
His heart was in the right place. <laughs> His heart was indeed in the right place. <laughs> I'm sorry I hit you. I shouldn't have boarded this boat illegally. <laughs> that is $200 sound. That literally was a segment on my local radio show. Um, when I have my football daily segment, it was called How's $200 Sound? It did not sound good yes. enough for this 57-year-old yeah. man who got slugged. It is what we're we're dealing with here. And and we are going through here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are through 10. Uh, we're through 11 rounds. Let's go back to the Hooterville Arnolds and get his input now that we are halfway through the round or halfway through the draft here tonight. Bob Hogan is drafting from the five spot tonight. We already chimed in with him once tonight. Bob, you uh, when we left off with you, I feel like you were you had the Eagles stack here with Smith, Hurts, and Goddard. You've added a lot of running backs and a couple of receivers since then. Tell us about how this draft has shaped up for you halfway through and what you're looking at for the second half of the draft. Well, I heard somebody mention that Jarek McKinnon should get picked up. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I better go grab him and, and yeah. make Daryl happy or whoever it was that said that. Yeah. You know, Bob, uh, I'm always happy when you're drafting. That's, that's well, I, I appreciate you, sh you saying that, Farrell. Uh, probably going to surprise you with my next pick if, uh, if, if, if it's able. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I'm a little light on, on wide receivers, but there's a lot of rounds left and there's a lot of uh, dart throws out there. I don't want to, I don't want to pick up, you know, old guys that might catch four passes a game. No, no. So I, I'm going to be throwing some darts here in a little bit. Okay, so so Rich, you are coming up on the clock right now. We'll we'll have you pick this, make this pick live on the air. You already have five running backs. You have four receivers. You got the elite quarterback. You got the elite tight end. A lot of different ways you can go here at the twelve oh eight. Who is going to be the pick here? Mm -hmm. I took Gerald Everett. All right, so, that, Bob. so so Bob and his great-looking forearms, according to the Dizzle Dave Gerzak, ended up clicking on the mouse to take Gerald Everett to back up Dallas Goddard. Can you tell us why it was important for you, while you had a top-seven tight end, Bob, why was it important for you to still get Gerald Everett, a guy that, you know, quite frankly, we, we've seen him steamed up in drafts lately. Why was it important for you to get him in the 12th round to back up Dallas Goddard? Well, we have a couple flexes in this league, uh, and there is tight end premium. Um, and frankly, I I don't like the guys at the top of the queue right now. Um, and, and I think there's some guys further down that I do like. So I felt like Everett was the best on the board. I certainly don't need another running back. Mm -hmm. um, and you can only play one quarterback, I believe. We haven't changed the rules. Oh. so. With that rule, I and I can play multiple tight ends. I think Everett's a guy I might actually have in the lineup um, more than just as a buy or, or injury replacement. You know, he's a, I have him at 47 catches last year, and he's always impressed me as the kind of player that could push through 60, 65, and that would be very beneficial at your 1.5. A good pass catcher runs with the ball after he does catch it. I, I think we haven't seen the best play from this player yet. Uh, the um, and Balky, we're not going to talk about Irv Smith. So I, I think we haven't seen the best play from this player yet. And there's other tight ends here that have been drafted, and I think we have. I like this pick, Bob. 
Well, I appreciate the, the vote of confidence there, Farrell. And, you know, I know I'm going against what everybody says, including Vegas. I think the Rams may bounce back a little bit this year. Hmm. So, well, they've got 14 rookies. Uh, that they got through the draft, that they, and, and I'm interested to see 14 through, through the draft and free agency, and I'm interested to see how many of those guys make the roster, and uh, that that'll tell me how good their team is. Uh, but I um, I don't know. They didn't do much in free agency because they didn't have the money to do it. It's uh, it's 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 going to have to gel in the locker room and in the preseason because it just doesn't look right on paper to me. Hey, well, let's know if they do uh, wind up trading uh, the the big defensive guy that you know maybe the top yeah. player in the league, and I, I hear they may be looking to trade him. They're going to have to score a lot of points because they're not going to stop anybody if that happens. If Donald goes away, yes, uh, Bob, I want you to hang out um, for a little bit. We got a couple more guests I want to get to before we come back to you, but I do want to talk about that Romeo Dobbs pick, and I want to talk about all those running backs that you centered on in the mid rounds. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back to you in a few minutes. Okay. I uh, will be sitting here. All right. You're the man, Bob Hogan, the Hooterville Arnolds, ladies and gentlemen, drafting from the five spot tonight. Let's go to the team that was drafting right next to him here at the four spot. It is indeed baby carrots. Uh, that is, um, uh, uh, no, I take it back. It is not baby carrots. It's Remy LeBeau, who is Jason yeah. Nessler. Who is joining us on the program tonight? I can't read. I'm sorry. It's Friday night. It's the, it's the holiday weekend. I'm totally checked out. Jason Nestler drafting from the three spot tonight. Jason, not only welcome to the program. Congrats on the your 13 rounds in here. How is the draft shaping up? How happy are you with this team so far, man? I'm extremely happy with it. Uh, I do have to put full disclosure. I am an amateur when it comes to this stuff compared to the other guys. Oh, this is the second year I've done FFPC, and I tell you what, it's such a fantastic uh, tournament. I love it. Um, but what I'm using is uh, Fancy Guru's uh, PPR. I don't know if you know who those are. Yep, Jeff absolutely. Them. Sure. Absolutely great. Uh, so my picks might be a little bit different than everybody. what everybody else is going for. Um, I wasn't too much worried about ADP. I was worried about what's that? You shouldn't. Yeah. No. So I really pretty much went and got the person that I wanted. And uh, what I usually tend to do is I back up the running backs with the handcuffs. And the only thing that I didn't like was in round 10, somebody grabbed Jalen Warren right before me. So other than that, I think the draft has been going really well for me. I like and that's when you took Odell Beckham? Yes. Oh, thank God they dropped Jalen Warren. How, what a fantastic situation <laughs> that was for you. And, you know, your draft for starting starting with Beckham and going through the 13th round, it looks to me to be a thing of genius. And you've locked up that backfield if, in, in Miami. And if, uh, if uh, Cook doesn't land there – uh, that's great value with your fifth and sixth running back. And then what you did at quarterback, uh, I think there were in FFPC scoring last year, uh, Geno Smith was 360 something points um, produced at the quarterback position. And that's going to rival a lot of these guys that are going ahead of him. Good job. It's a good team. 
I really appreciate that. Uh, like I said, I haven't, it's only the second year. And after the, you know, after the first year I was hooked. I mean, yeah. it's such a, such a great uh, website, you know, uh, you know, after playing in family leagues and stuff, you want to take that, you know, extra step up there. Uh, I just love the format, you know, it, it's two and one. So you got, uh, you got to make it to the championship and the top four, then after that, you're put in with everybody else and it goes to best ball. So there's, right. you know, there's two things that you're, you're really looking for when you're building your team and, and the structure. You know, out of favor with what you've done, the handcuff thing is out of favor with a lot of high stakes players. But when you do it, and I, I think you dodged a bullet because I don't think you need a warrant. And I think you got a very explosive wide receiver there. Um, but, but, if it works for you in one case with the kind of team you put together, especially there in Green Bay, you should be all right. Jason, well, I, really, I really appreciate all the reassurance I can get with this. <laughs> well, we're going to give you some more reassurance right now. Uh, and, and Dave the Dizzle Gerzak chiming in right now, Jason, and he wants to know what is with the Remy LeBeau name is this French Creole. Now, I'm going to quasi-flex right now. And I right. probably shouldn't reveal this. If I remember correctly from the X-Men, is not Remy LeBeau Gambit? Wasn't that his real name? That is correct. And I, I, I don't know if back, I should be proud of that or not. But I, no, I will tell you, you, you speak. You know what? I'm a comic book nerd, I guess you can say. I love all the DC Marvels. You're looking back at me right here. I got Remy LeBeau right up there uh, on my wall, comic book. I see it. I see it. Yep. And, and who is, it was, by the way, and the only reason I know, like, okay, so back in the day, and I know this is in fantasy football, and I, I apologize to everybody. Back in the day, <laughs> when I was in my early 20s, I used to hang out with my buddies from high school, and we would get together on, like, Thursday nights, and we get in all sorts of conversations. And this is right, right when, like, the, the, the movie, the X-Men movies were coming out, and then we started trying to cast, um, um, you know, who would play this guy, who would play this guy. And we got to um, Gambit. We're like, oh, who would be a good guy for Gambit? Now, Taylor Kitsch from Friday Night Lights, the second season, The True Detective, ended up playing Gambit in one of the X-Men movies. I can't remember which one. Um, but you know who we said, Jason, would make an excellent Gambit? Never happened. Matthew McConaughey. Tell me that wouldn't be the greatest Remy LeBeau ever. Oh, man. I, I think with his accent, it would probably be – it would be something – it would, it would probably be good. Uh, <laughs> <To> what? <laughs> what's that? It would be awesome. I love, oh. and it won't happen. He makes, he's won too many Academy Awards, so it'll never happen now. Um, but know. you never know. Uh, I, it, it, like Ryan it, Reynolds has got uh, Jack Human playing Wolverine again, so you never yeah. know what could happen. Yeah, there, there's non-zero chance of everything. That is a great point on <laughs> on uh, on Hugh Jackman and Wolverine uh, coming up in Deadpool uh, for sure. Okay, so let's let's get into this. You know, we talked about. Um, the, the handcuffs here, you got Aaron Jones, you got A.J. Dillon, you got Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, which is the handcuff right now in Miami. We'll see what happens if they add Dalvin Cook or not. When, when you talk about, you know, and I know you draft in home leagues and this is only your second year at the FFPC, but when you're trying to beat out all these teams, are, is, handcuff, is handcuffing important to you? In, in other words, do you want if, if Jones goes down, you have Dillon. If Wilson goes down, you have Mostert. Is that important to you or would you rather – um, have you ever ventured down the path of saying, okay, I'm not drafting my own handcuffs. 
I'm drafting other people's handcuffs to increase the variance and make sure that I can have a dominant team come the championship round. Uh, I do uh, go that route if I start robust running back. So if I start off with three or four running backs because of the value, just how the board plays, then later on in the last few rounds, I will start taking the handcuffs like that because I spent so much value at the top four with the running backs that I'm investing in them. So there's no point of really doing that. But mm -hmm. since I only took one in the second and one in the fifth, it, it keeps me a little bit thin there. So I'm, uh, I feel more comfortable taking the handcuffs at that approach. Um, and, and, and I feel, obviously, this is your team. Um, so you got to feel pretty good of, of how it's turned out so far. I love the Geno Smith pick in the 13th round, even though you got you already had Joe Burrow. I love that. Farrell already talked about your Odell Beckham pick. Um, Evans and Pickens in back-to-back -back picks in the 6th and 7th round, it's interesting because these guys are on different paths. Evans is coming down, obviously no Tom Brady this year. Yes. Pickens is going up. Right. Um, because of uh, his talent and the fact that his career is on a positive trajectory. Which one of those picks are you more excited about? Again, 2023 only. Would you rather have Evans or Pickens? Because you got them both. Uh, you know, like you said, Pickens is on the upscale. And uh, other than uh, what's Deontay Johnson over there? Yep. Um, I think Pickens will outshine Deontay Johnson over there. Uh, so with that pick, I liked, I honestly would have probably picked Pickens first over Mike Evans, but I, uh, I looked at the ADP and felt that Pickens would come back to me where Mike Evans wouldn't. So that's why I kind of went with Mike Evans first. I, I, and I totally get it here. You are looking at, um, let's see, 14th round here. Um, you're about to be on the clock. You got about two picks till it's there. You you have your two quarterbacks. I don't think you'd go quarterback here, but if if you would, correct me if I'm wrong. You already have Travis Kelsey. I think you're okay on tight end. You got a bunch of receivers, a bunch of running backs. This could be a best player available choice here. You don't necessarily have to reveal it here with baby carrots on the clock, but what are you thinking here now that you're on the clock? Jason Nessler, a.k.a. Um, Remy LeBeau, a.k.a. Gambit, what are you thinking here? There are a few things that I can go with here. Um, like you said, the best board. I have a few other people ranked higher than this player, but I'm going to take him, and it's going to be Tyler Boyd, just so I can pair him up with uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow uh, later on in, in case something happens. It's almost like the reverse handcuffing of yeah. like Jamar Chase. I'm taking one of theirs. Tyler Boyd. He he always comes through when one of those goes one of those uh, teammates go down, and you know, like I said, I'm gonna pair it up with Joe Burrow. I like it. I like it quite a bit. And and Jason, we'll have to have you on again as a guest where we can not only break down uh, your teams in the Fantasy Pros Championship, but break down how you would cast the X Men, which are coming up in the MCU. <laughs> Uh, which I'm a big yes. fan of. Uh, coming up here, we'll see who plays who going forward. I'd love to pick your brain on that. Jason, thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Be good. Good luck the rest of the way, and hopefully we have you on again when you're cashing that million-dollar grand prize, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. You got it. Absolutely. Remy LeBeau himself, ladies and gentlemen, joining the program tonight. That's Jason Nessler drafting from the three spot uh, tonight. Uh, gives you some insight into what he's thinking here. Um, without further ado... Um, I don't, you know, we just heard from him last week.
but he is such a fountain of knowledge, a guy who has won nearly or just over six figures in prizes in the FFPC and high-stakes fantasy football in general. Let's go to him right now. Uh, Bip Lab Mandel, last week's uh, guest, at underscore Bitcoin. Bip Lab, you're in the 12th spot tonight. How's it going, man? Yeah, I wouldn't have joined, but you remember last week I told you I don't like drafting next to John Terry. Right, I saw that. <laughs> this is a conspiracy, you know. I think your randomizer forced me there. So I, I had to come and complain about it, right? <laughs> so you talked about last week, you never want to draft with John Terry. Then the very next broadcast we have on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, you're the 12, John Terry is the 11. He's going to join us here in about 30 minutes, roughly 30 minutes or, or so. And and I asked you last week, too, you know, you have all these friends, you know, with, with Chris Vincent and Vince Staffolino and all these other guys. Um, but but you said John Terry represents the closest thing there is to another Bip Lab Mandel in high stakes fantasy wow. football. How many picks? Compliment for how Terry. many picks? How many picks has John Terry sniped you on tonight, Bip Lab? Well, yes, snipe might not be the right word because get, seeing J.K. Dobbins go that late in fifth is like uh, baffles me. But I knew he's not coming to me, right? So. Mm -hmm. um, if it was not John, I, I would have taken, you know, a chance, but I knew that wouldn't happen. Rashad Penny wouldn't happen. I would have taken Penny there. Uh, even David Montgomery, you know, I would have considered him, although I might not given my build. So so that's that's the tough part of drafting next to each other, you know. So, Bipleb, uh, just, just kind of curious. Um, you started off with three straight receivers tonight. You were one of only two teams to do it. Um, Cody Labernick at the 10 spot did the same thing. But you go with Garrett Wilson, A.J. Brown, and Calvin Ridley. I'm just kind of curious, if Terry was not next to you tonight, a guy that you have drafted with, you know who he likes, would you have gone a different way? Or do you like starting from the 12 spot with those three uh, three straight receivers? No, I, I, I like zero RB if I'm at that 11th or 12th spot. Uh, the, I think I'm on the clock. You are on the clock. Uh, so, so Bip Lab, we'll let you decide here. I'm, I'm letting the viewers know right now. You already have Trevor Lawrence and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Your running backs are Brees Hall, Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison. You got Khalil Herbert, and then Kendra Miller in the 12th round. A guy that I'm really, really upset that I did not hit on in any of my dynasty drafts. We just talked about Wilson Brown, Ridley, Zay Flowers, Adam Thielen uh, here in the first 13 rounds. You already have Pat Fryermuth and Juwan Johnson. But you go with a pair of receivers here. Tell us yep. about Jaden Reed. Tell us about Isaiah Hodgins. Yep. So Jaden Reed, I think uh, someone I've told you, I, I think I was on the show last week. I did uh, read and love. I mean, it, he is someone I like in the later rounds when it is all about uh, upside dart throws. You know, the Mingos, the Marvin Mims and Jaden Reed. So I was happy to get him there. Um, and, uh, you know, I just had five receivers. So, so that was that. Uh, Hodgins, I think, will be the number one receiver for the Giants right now. I still feel the number one receiver is going to be Darren Waller. But behind him, I think he is the guy that started building chemistry with Daniel Jones, given Jalen Hyatt had started slow. Um, you know, Slayton and Sterling Shepard, nothing much has happened. Paris Campbell gets hurt, although he's doing... It, there's some positive news, but it's a long season. I really liked Hodgins, what he did last year. So hopefully he can build on it. 
If not, no big deal. I think he's my seventh receiver. Uh, what I didn't also want is John stacking him with Daniel Jones there. So, oh, yeah. uh, because I have to play him week one. So, you know, that's that, that, that's, that's that. I did want to go to receivers there because I, I went running back heavy earlier and I have two, two good tight ends and two quarterbacks already. So, and, and, and Bipleb, I think that's, that's interesting. Um, that, you know, you're playing off like what team 11's doing as far as the schedule goes. Um, have you, can you remember, and, and Farrell and I have talked about this on previous shows. Can you remember a time when the number one, not pass catcher, but the number one receiver for one team has gone as late as they are going this year with the Giants? It's usually Hodgins. Sometimes it's Jalen Hyatt. But man, you get a, the number one receiver for the Giants or any team in the 16th round. I feel like you're doing things right. Yeah, and and you know, and and I don't remember with a good a team with a good offensive-minded coach, right? Yeah, that, that's what I don't remember. I mean, I think there would have been years where you know the Jets were bad, or Houston was bad, or Cleveland was bad, and and you know players went late, but not in a not in a good offensive minded uh, uh, team you know and and that's where it's been very interesting this year it's not only in managed leagues but also in best balls that's that's what i've been seeing and it has been easier to stack daniel jones with one of those receivers late in the best ball tournaments that's that's the other thing i've seen the other thing you know i mean if John knows how I draft, and maybe Amonra St. Brown was his number one receiver there. But most drafts, you know, AJ Brown goes there. And I think I'm not a big fan of AJ Brown at that ADP, but because I don't have a lot of share, I took him there. I would have preferred Garrett Wilson and Amonra St. Brown start, you know, instead mm-hmm. uh, at the 12th spot. Uh, but what I like with this team is I got some of the ADP values on running backs, and, and they fell to where I would have wanted them given. The type of start I had. You know, this is the second straight night that Brees Hall fell to the fourth round. A guy who is consistently going in the third. You get him in the fourth. I like the Sanders and the Madison picks, as as do you here. I want to talk a little bit about, to, to, to go deeper into the draft, that 11-12 turn you had, a pair of Saints. Juwan Johnson, who's been getting uh, steamed up as far as a pass catcher in New Orleans. And then Kendra Miller, the what we think is going to be the backup running back, at least um, during Alvin Kamara's suspension, because he's been playing behind Kamara and Jamal Williams right now. Kamara, uh, you get Kendra Miller in the 12th round. Can you tell us a little bit, not only about that 11-12 turn, but how John Terry in the 11th spot affected those picks, if at all? Yeah, I, I, I think John has a lot of probably Kendra Miller. I don't know his ownership because I know he likes him a lot. I was surprised Kendra Miller fell to me there, but then, you know, my pick would have been Mooney over there with Juwan Johnson. So I, I knew he wouldn't take another tight end given he has two tight ends. So I was happy to get Juwan Johnson. You know, he was my main target there. Um, and I would have been okay not getting Kendra Miller because I, I had a RB heavy st- start. But Miller and uh, Tank Bigsby are two players I'm targeting mostly in the 11th round, depending on who's available. And again, in this draft, Andrew took him 11.2. So to get Kendra Miller at 12.1 is a personal value for me, given, you know, I there was a bunch of other players that went between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are two players I think later in the draft could be effective um, during the championship rounds, you know. 
um kamara he might be suspended might be back but i think he was starting to show his slowing down i i like kendry miller's pass catching chops and and what he could do you know i think if he was not hurt he would have probably gone higher in the nfl draft you know that's that's what i feel pip you also had the opportunity here when we talk about the ravens receivers and this is something we've been talking about um over the course of the last month and a half here on the high stakes fantasy football hour um rashad bateman um odell beckham zay flowers a lot of different pass catchers here you had the opportunity you did not you were not able to choose rashad bateman you had the opportunity, and 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 I'll let you pick here while, while you mull on this. But um, as far as Ravens receivers go, and I'll give everybody the mojo here uh, on the uh, on the Baltimore wide receivers. Obviously, you're looking at a situation where there are a lot of pass catchers to go with in Baltimore. Mark Andrews, the the first one off the board. But when we look at the receivers here, this is so fascinating. Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham are all going basically within a round and a half of each other. The 1002 for Bateman, Zay Flowers at the 1005, Odell Beckham at the 1006. Now, Biplab, you did not have an opportunity to draft um, one Rashad Bateman. However, you could decide between Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham. You went younger here and, and you yes. grabbed Zay Flowers at the 912 over Odell Beckham. Can you can you let us in uh, on the insight and went into what went into that pick? Yes. Uh let me make my second pick. Yeah, BitLab, by the way, uh, it, we're in the 17-18 turn right now. BitLab has just taken the Bills defense at the 17-12. Hayden Hurst off the board at the 18-01. Talk about those Ravens receivers, man. Yep. So out of Ravens receivers, you know, I think in a tournament where you can win a million dollars, my number mm -hmm. one uh, priority is Zay Flowers. And, and the reason being the draft capital spent on him and I'm – looking at that younger talent more blossoming in the second half of the season not to start the season i think bateman was someone i liked out of college i i feel he's been hurt and just doesn't show up you know he's he's mm -hmm. had his opportunities so that's where you know i will take a chance of of a first round investment with a high ceiling i do like odell at his adp as a double you know receiver four or five just because of his experience, what he showed he did with the Rams and 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 maybe, you know, Lamar Jackson likes him, right? So those are two players I look at. But again, a lot depends on roster construction, Balki. Given I have three solid receivers that I really like this year, it was all about playing for the ceiling later. And that's one reason why I took Adam Thielen, Thielen later, again, to get a floor, right? To keep on the bench if I needed it. And then it's... It's it's all about upside, but I do prioritize Zay Flowers over all the other Ravens receivers this year. And, and I, I just love listening to you talk. And Balky is just taking you away from me because I can't ask you any questions. So I'm just going to comment, and <laughs> I'm going to tell you this 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 late uh, Carolina stack is impressive, and the best thing that you've done in this draft because of it. We all know what a talent you are in the draft room. The best thing you've done is illuminate Zay Flowers. And I wonder, you know, we're talking about players that are going to go up the draft board. When we gather uh, in in September uh, to draft live at Planet Hollywood, I predict after everyone has seen Zay Flowers in the preseason, I predict he's a sixth-round draft pick. I think you've got tremendous value. This is the player that most looks like 
Tyreek Hill to me. Yep. And I think that he, uh, yes, towards the end of the season, that this player should be, um, he will, he will no longer be, uh, to be a rookie. He'll, because they're going to lean on him very early, but I don't think you're going to have to wait long to get return, uh, for this player. Good job. That's, that's the best thing uh, about this draft that I see that you've done. Let me, let me ask you this, Bip. Um, you are almost completed with this draft. When you think about last week's draft um, that, that was on the HSFFR compared to this week's, um, which one is better? Are they about the same as one significantly better than the other? Um, no, I think they are both both the same. I, I, I mean, honest confession, I probably have better teams that I really like than the two. Um, I do think drafting with experienced drafters, 12th spot is 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 very difficult this year, right? If John was not there, I would have felt better. I think mm-hmm. that's why I was commenting. I really like Andrew's team in number two. Like if, if we could trade or swap, I, I liked how he started. Um, I was surprised he passed on his stacking with Elijah Moore. The moment he took him there, I thought Watson's coming next. That was mm-hmm. the only surprise I thought with his team. But, you know, he's taken, he, he has a lot of players that I've been drafting at those ADPs. I, I really like that squad, you know, what he did um, over there. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, this draft has A.J. Brown and Friar Muth, who I mentioned last week. I don't like them at their early ADPs, but um, you know, I, I sometimes you have to zag and you have to have those contra teams, you know, to balance overall. Uh, but I do feel if I, I think Brees Hall will start slow with his injury, but if he can get back to his form by say week seven or week eight, and I have Madison and Sanders to support me till then, this team could be dangerous. Again, Khalil Herbert, if he can beat out Foreman and uh, Roshan Johnson. Uh, could be dangerous. So that's where I like this team from a ceiling standpoint and what, but but there's a lot of what ifs. Like I need to make to the championship round for some of these to be relevant. Hey, and there's another giant receiver out there, Bip. Just saying. <laughs> I uh, Bip Lab uh, Mandel joining us from the 12 spot. You heard him last week on this program. He's drafting live again tonight. Uh, Bip, it's certainly great to hear your insight on, on all these players tonight. John Terry is actually going to join us here in about 15 minutes, and he's going to talk about his draft, drafting next to you from sure. uh, the 11 spot tonight, which I look forward to as well. Good luck in all your leagues going forward. We will continue to follow you on Twitter at Bip, uh, excuse me, at underscore Bitcoin. Certainly appreciate you jumping aboard tonight. Good luck the rest of drafting season, dude. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And Farrell, you shouldn't let John go without committing to KFSC. Otherwise, we're going to work on him. He's, he's first got to prove to me that he can find Kentucky on a map, and then right. that, we're going to be okay. So I'm looking and, forward to listening to him. Yeah, and and, and you and you and, and by the way, I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, uh, Dave Gerzak, the Dizzle, said uh, to tell you, Viplab, it is more important for his success in this tournament. To draft more teams, well, that goes so we that would way. encourage you to do that, Pip Lab. Yes, he'll uh, be happy to hear. I'll draft more main events than FPCs. So that. Oh, there you go. Okay, all right. <laughs> Shows up for the Thank real you. deal. Pip Lab Mitchell joining us on the show tonight. Uh, make sure you follow him at underscore Bitcoin. Um, and I'll tell you this right now. Um, uh, and, and maybe we should ask Pip Lab about this. But Joe King chiming in on the chat and Farrell, I'll throw this to you tonight. 
What do we think about the Chicago backfield? You know, obviously Khalil Herbert's there. No David Montgomery anymore, but Roshan Johnson um, joining the, the the party there in Chicago. I was listening to a podcast. Um, I was it Sigmund Bloom. I think it was Sigmund Bloom. Ta- I think it was Sigmund Bloom and Cecil Lammy talking about we need to stop bringing up the whole oh why would you draft this guy in the NFL? He couldn't beat X player. Uh, out in college, which Rashawn Johnson was behind Bip, uh, Bip Mandel. He was not behind Bip Mandel <laughs> in Texas. He was he was behind Bijan Robinson. I don't think I don't think Roshan Johnson could beat out Bip Mandel as well. But he he could not beat out uh, uh, Bijan Robinson. And I think that the, the the thing here to to learn is you can still be successful in the NFL. There's been a ton of players successful in the NFL, even though they couldn't beat out. Uh, the guy in front of him in college, Roshan Johnson, has been drafted heavily uh, in, in this format going forward. And, Farrell, I'll let you weigh in on this. Johnson is still a player, even though we couldn't see it on the surface in Texas last year. Yeah, and the Texas Longhorns have a long tradition of great players throughout their roster. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that he couldn't get on the field that much. Um, in regards to this backfield, I still think so much of it runs through the quarterback that I want to take a wait-and-see approach. I really don't want to get involved with this because based on where the players are going, I like other picks better. So that's my personal feeling. So I haven't put a great deal of effort into this team. However, when I see it in preseason, when I see what they're doing, just need to get a little snipe of it. And I need to see, you know, Fields is not going to play that much in the preseason, but we'll get an idea of what the offense looks like with the backup quarterbacks in Chicago. And those guys have some uh, ability to get into the preseason and run the offense, which is what you want. You want to see the offense executed properly. And then you can get an idea of how they're going to mix up these backs and especially how Johnson looks. So uh, that may change by the time we get for draft day. But for right now, uh, by the time we get to Las Vegas for the main event, but for, for today's draft, I'm probably avoiding the Chicago backfield. John Terry is coming up, a guy who has won a ton in the FFEC and high-stakes fantasy football over the years, to talk about his spot from uh, his draft from the 11 spot tonight. I want, and we're going to get to Bob Hogan one time, uh, one more time before we sign off and, and get to John Terry. I want to talk about uh, Matthew Zimmer uh, from the seven spot tonight, the Pava squad, 14th, 15th round. He locks up both Arizona tight ends. Farrell, what do you make of this from a standpoint where he didn't draft Kyler Murray? He's got Watson and Cousins, but he gets Ertz and McBride there. Um, knowing that you do have two waiver wire runs prior to the start of the NFL season in the Fantasy Pros Championship, what do you make of the Ertz-McBride back-to-back picks here for Team 7? Yeah, because one of them's going to emerge, and both of them are excellent players. And you know what? He may end up keeping both of them. I, I don't think when he gets into, you know, the season that he's going to know. And so having both those guys and they're not expensive, I think it's a good move. I did it in um, in uh, Dynasty football this year. Yeah. What about um, Tank Dell uh, in the 17th round? He goes to Remy LeBeau. That is uh, the gentleman we talked to earlier tonight, Jason Nessler. He takes Tank Dell. Terp was talking up Tank Dell last night on the Better Sports Network mm-hmm. broadcast of a Fantasy Pros Championship draft. I have heard plenty of high-stakes players talk up Tank Dell. There's a lot of opportunity in Houston. Um, there's not a To me, there's not a whole lot of better ways to spend a 17th-round pick uh, than Tank Dell. I kind of like him late, Farrell, even though I don't like late receivers. But mm-hmm. Tank Dell, I think, breaks my, uh, breaks my um, rubric on late-round receivers. Yeah. I'm on board with him late. 
Uh, yeah, why not? How tall is Tank Dale? Ooh, that's a good question. Is he six feet? That, that, like, what's the over under on, on uh, Tank Dale's height? I think we're a little under. Yeah, we're under five eight. Yeah. Well, five eight, by the way, just one inch shorter than Zay Flowers. And about the same size as Terp. And I think oh. that's why T- I think that's why Terp likes Tangdale. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the, uh, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, that? SNS Sports Collectibles. Tank is Diet Zay Flowers. Oh, that's good. Um, Diet yeah. Zay None of the sugar, all the aspartame, basically. Diet Dell. Put, put Diet <laughs> Dell in your tank. I love it. It's it's a, you know Terp was a big you know Terp Terp loved Baker Mayfield too, and it was the the, the diminutive status. And you know I'm a big Boston Scott fan that that plays for Terp's team so you know that's that's anyone named tank is my guy so and and and, and, these are good stuff the the comments in the chat room are much better than my comments you know that's all i'm saying well listen i don't know if that's the case but but it certainly could be uh dave the dizzle gerzak chiming in nico collins sucks robert woods is done who's left dave that's such an ugly word (laughs) Sucks. sucks are done Basically, I guess the one and the same here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are through this draft here, all 20 rounds. Let's go with a final check-in from the Hooterville Arnolds, drafting from the five spot tonight. Bob Hogan, ladies and gentlemen, uh, l- let's get a wrap on your draft here, man. We, we chimed in a couple of times. The first question I want to ask you is something we ran out of time with, with from, your, from your previous spot. Romeo Dobbs at the 10.08 tonight. This is a guy that's getting steamed up. The beat writers love him. In fact, a lot of the local Green Bay Green Bay guys think that he is going to be the most targeted receiver in Jordan Love's Matt LaFleur offense this year. Uh, Dubs, how excited were you to get him in the 10th round, Bob? Well, you know, I, I've been hearing those same things that you've been hearing, that uh, the chemistry with Jordan Love is fantastic. Um, and so as a fourth wide uh, wide out that late i feel pretty good about getting him i he was one of the people that i was targeting um even as a a little bit of a reach so i was was really happy to get him um the the other guys i got after him like i said i i did some dart throws on some rookies but you you talk about the uh beat writers hearing a lot on van jefferson who i got as my seventh receiver that he is locked in to be the number two guy Mm-hmm. Uh, in their offense, so Stillwater's run deep, Bob. You've always been a Van Jefferson fan, and you know the beat riders be damned. We had uh, Bip Lab uh, when he talked about his rookie wide receivers. Uh, he pick he mentioned both of yours, uh, Mingo and Mims. So mm-hmm. yeah, yes, good. he did, and I appreciate that because what I was going to say is I think he's got an awesome team. When when you were talking to him, I looked and with. Uh, going with three receivers at the start and still getting Miles Sanders and Madison as his uh, RB two and three. Um, I think this makes this team tough. And I love Fryermuth. You know, I picked him in the draft last week. So I think Biplap's got a great team. Um, I think the last well, he doesn't even like it. He doesn't even like his team. He said he <laughs> has great team. Well, he is so much better than the rest of us that the teams he doesn't like are still the best teams in our leagues. Mm. So I, I've got to give him, you know, give him credit. This is a, I think he's got a really nice team. I'll swap with him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they allow that. Though. I don't think that's part of the thing. All right. Um, so, so Bob, uh, a request from the YouTube chat coming in from the Dizzle. 
He wants to know, next time you come on one of these broadcasts, can you wear a tank top? Because not only do you have great forearms, great biceps, uh, Dizzle's loving your your tan as well. I don't know if, if this is like we're starting off a new app tonight, like like FFPC Tinder or something. But seriously, mm -hmm. the Dizzle is definitely in to how good your body looks tonight. The Kudos Dizzle to you, is a fan. I, I tell you, he would be grossly disappointed <laughs> if he saw the farmer's tan. That is about two inches up from the bottom of these sleeves. We are, we are you can take the boy out of Indiana, Bob, but you can't take Indiana out of You can't of take Indiana out of the boy. It's That's what's going to happen. Absolutely. Happen. Well, thanks for having me on again, yes. guys. I always enjoy the chats, and uh, uh, and I just love fantasy football. You do. You do indeed. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. I'm sure you'll be back on this broadcast again. Uh, enjoy the rest of the drafting season if we don't talk to with you uh, again soon, but we will talk with you again. Talk to you later, guys. Bob Hogan, ladies and gentlemen, the best biceps in the game, according to Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, uh, and certainly a great tan uh, as well. I don't know how I segue into our next guest here, but I'm going to try. Ladies and gentlemen, he drafted from the 11 spot tonight. He has been a guest multiple times on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. The champion, I believe, if I'm rem remembering correctly, the champion of the never-too-early best ball tournament that the FFPC put on last year. I know he's in it again this year. He's been drafting a ton of teams so far uh, this year. You, uh, you know him. You love him. He is Aunt Jemima himself, if I can still say that. It is John Terry <laughs> joining us on the program tonight. John, welcome in, man. You you survived drafting next to BipLab Mandel. Let, let, let's first question off the board. When you found out that BipLab was drafting 12 tonight, how much did your strategy change knowing that you guys are, are so in tune with how each other likes to draft? Well, I, I guess my strategy didn't change that much right then, but it's definitely something I thought about every pick when he had two after it. I'll, right. I'll put it that way. Um, but, yeah, it, it, the first thing is uh, when I saw the list come out of the draft order, this was, I believe in this contest, my 45th draft, and I have yet to get a number one or number two pick. <laughs> and then I scroll all the way to the end, and then I see I'm right next to BitFly. <laughs> <laughs> so... All right. So, so, so this begs the question, what were you more upset about not getting a number one or number two pick tonight or drafting next to Bip Lab Mandel? Oh gosh, that's close. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Probably being next to Bip Lab. You know, I, I, I got to, and, and despite all the jocularity, you were still in the game to the very end. I, I see where, I brought up the fact there was a giant receiver remaining, and you grabbed him, Wondell Robinson, the pride of the UK Wildcats down here. And even in Las Vegas, he was a 10th and 11th round pick uh, in, in these drafts last year. And he's still the same player, if not better, as he and, and you picked up that player in the 20th round. Who were you trying to draft when you miss hit on Hunter Renfro? Who is who were you trying to draft? <laughs> the only reason I drafted him is I heard there's trade rumors. So I figured if someone picks him up maybe it's someone that's actually going to utilize them i really like i really like your late team starting at quarterback and rolling all the way through the end of the round you know it's uh in this in this kind of contest john how how important is it for you to hit on every pick these double digit picks what 
is is it something that you really feel good about or are you just filling out a roster and how much of it are you working on the aspect of stacking because i don't think you did a whole hell of a lot of it tonight uh well actually i did a little bit of stacking well tell us about it well i mean yeah, I know I picked up Wandale at the end, but I already had wide receiver two for the Giants with Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah, and there's Jones. Yeah. And Montgomery go along with Jared Goff. So okay. um, I have a little bit of it. Okay, fair uh, enough. It, it just – every draft, I think, you know, I mean, you can't – you can have a loose plan going in, but it's all just about adapting because every draft's different. So well, when you come to Kentucky and decide to draft out of the 11th spot with our third round reversal, you will not have to draft Keenan Allen there, which is good. <laughs> don't, don't you think that Keenan Allen, you know, a guy like you that's been around John Terry, don't you think you want to get a little youth in your lineup and Keenan Allen, well, you know? Well, I, I will say I don't have any Mike Williams because every time mm-hmm. that guy jumps up for a ball, he comes down hurt. Yeah, so I, he's not a guy that I draft, but uh, I don't know. I think Keenan Allen's got got a little more left in him. I mean, if he okay. if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's by far their best receiver. I think. Okay, so Ridley uh, Ridley went after Allen. So did Cooper. So did Judy. Did you not like those guys a little more than Allen? Well, to me, the the early round picks are more about your pick not busting than hitting a home run. I got you. Okay. Fair. I, I, I like that. I think if your picks early, you know, live up to expectations, and then you can find those guys later in the draft that are, you know, far exceed expectations to mesh up with them, then I think you're doing well. I mean, I think we forget every year. I mean, like half the players in the first four rounds wind up busting. Yeah, all these guys are not going to pan out. So, I mean, if you can eliminate, you know, the guys coming off of ACLs and, you know, things like that, just to at least reduce the risk. And I mean, Ridley, I, I do have some Ridley and I, I, I don't hate him, but I mean, he hasn't played football in a long time. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just I, curious. You know, listening to you talk, it, it's like you're playing poker at the, at the World Series, and I'm playing solitaire with a 47 card deck. It really, it, you know, you just you just really know what you're doing here, man. It's fantastic. So, 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 John, let me ask you. Like, and Farrell kind of alluded to this a little bit. I, you, you got Barkley, right? You you added um, Wandale Robinson in the last round, but the thing was, was you got Daniel Jones in the 13th. You added Amon Ross St. Brown in the first round. You didn't add Jared Goff until the 13th. Uh, no, 14th round, beg your pardon. Is stacking for you just sort of happenstance? Like if it happens, great. Um, and if it presents itself, you're going to take advantage. Um, or is this something that you do plan for, given your first few picks, you're going to try to make it happen? Uh, it's all just if the opportunity is there. Uh, I mean, I think you have to just kind of take it as it goes. I mean – my plan going in obviously was not to wait so late on QB. I was just waiting to see when value came around. And I do really like Daniel Jones with that coach uh, in year two. I think, you know, with the addition of Waller, I mean, he, he could put up some numbers. 
And then the reason I took golf as uh, in the next round as my backup is I think, you know, Jones may or may not be a guy that you start every week. And golf at least is an easy guy to identify. Like you basically can't start him on the road and you can start him at home. So it's easier to plug in and make lineup decisions. I have I, a question. I, Ale, go ahead, Alec girl. Pierce. Alec Pierce. Um, the maturation of a player – I expect some really good things. We didn't see him last year with the mess in Indianapolis. What, what's your thoughts about Alec Pierce with the rookie quarterback? Um, well, I mean, it, he's got a chance. I mean, I, I like him where he's going so late. I mean, I think Pierce is a talent. I, I'm not excited about the early reports uh, from Richardson's performance so i mean i still think there's a chance that he's not even playing qb there so hmm. we'll, we'll see uh, i mean i think they're going to give him a shot but yeah. that guy's got so little experience i think there's a chance that you put him out there in the nfl and you know he may be completing like six passes a game hmm. john we we talked with BitLab about this earlier in the broadcast about how he started off his draft with three straight receivers and how much drafting next to you affected that decision. I look at uh, your draft, three receivers in the first four picks, you know, obviously Barkley at the 202 tonight, but how much did, did BIP lab or drafting next to BIP lab affect you in, in, in pounding those receivers? Or was this more of a case of like, Oh my God, look at this. I'm at the 11 spot. I need to get these receivers early. I'll figure out other positions later on. Um, well, I mean, I think ideal build, right. If the guys fall to you is to go with wide receivers early, just because there is so much running back value in the mid rounds this year. Hold on. Hold on, John, regardless of what slot you're in, or is this strictly, are you talking about drafting from the back end? Well, I guess I can't comment drafting from one or two since I haven't yet. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but no, um, it, I think it's in general, like um, there aren't uh, like the earliest I would consider taking a running back is probably the fourth pick in the first round. Right. And then there's probably only maybe three that I would even consider in round one. So, mm -hmm. and, and I think with so many more people focusing on receivers, like they dry up quicker than the running backs do. And then in the mid rounds, if you're looking for wide receivers, I mean, they're all gone and it's easier to find running backs. I think that look decent there than, the, than there are receivers. So, so John, uh, let, let me ask you this. And, and, and I guess this is, I'm, I'm more being the, the mouthpiece here for Rich Bilyeu in the, in the chat. You got JK Dobbins here at the five eleven after you took Amari Cooper at the start of the fourth round, Rich wants to know, were you surprised he came all the way back uh, to you at the 5'11"? And number two, my question, um, how big of a bounce-back year is J.K. Dobbins in for this season? Yeah, I have quite a bit of Dobbins. I do really like him. I, I know they're changing up the offense. I, I don't expect them to run near as much as they used to, but I do expect him to get a bigger share of the touches and hopefully some 
receptions. Um, yeah, I was surprised he, he fell that far. I, I Normally he goes a little bit earlier, so he was sitting at the top of my queue for at least a half to three quarters of a round there. Which one of these tight ends do you see emerging, and uh, how quickly will you cut the other two? Yeah, just before John answers that, I'll tell you right now. So John Terry from the 11 spot tonight, David Njoku at the 802, Greg Dulcich at the 1002, Cole Komet at the 1202. John, how do you answer Farrell's question here with those tight ends? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, again, I was hoping to, to go tight end earlier, but didn't really have a great opportunity. Um, and I would have taken Njoku over Friermuth, so that didn't impact me at all. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's clear out of the gate. I'm going to start Njoku. I thought he was good last year. I thought he looked good. I think he'll have a decent year. Dulcich I took for the upside because, you know, mm -hmm. it, it is possible that Peyton really turns around that offense. And, you know, he's made some comments about Dulcich. So I think that's worth a gamble. And then if – you know, Fields takes a step forward. Komet could be good as well. So, I but it'll be Njoku out of the gate. There you go. Okay. Uh, John, I'm going to ask you one more question before I turn things back over to Farrell for, for his final two questions of the night. But one of the things I always like to point out um, when, when we ever get drafters like you on, on this program, guys who have won six-figure grand prizes, guys who have won a ton of cash uh, in the FFPC over the years, when you look at your final, and I know you went Daniel Jones and Jared Goff in, in the 13th and 14th, but I want to look after that. You get guys like Alec Pierce, Israel Abanacanda, Hunter Renfro, who I think it was some beat writer, I think, for the Raiders talked about him potentially. I Vic Tafur said that he doesn't think that Renfro makes the final roster. No, no. He's going to be traded to somebody else, not because he's cut. And then you get Ron, Wondell Robinson late. Did you have a favorite position player pick? I would say after the twelfth round, um, for 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 the guys I just mentioned. Uh, and and by the way, it's probably no no bulky. I did not have a favorite. Is a correct answer here if you want to go that direction. Yeah, I mean, looking at it back now, it's probably Wandale, but I mean he's a he's a risk because he's still hurt. So right, you just don't know how quickly he's going to bounce back. But he definitely flashed last year, and it's just a matter if he can catch up now that he's got so much competition there and get back uh, into that rotation. John, um, I, I, I lied. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you one more question through the YouTube chat. <laughs> it's from Rich Billu, who wants to know, um, do you push quarterback a lot this year? Because And, and as, as I look at the board tonight, I don't think you are the last team to take a quarterback. I think that was Andrew Schellenberg um, who took Jordan Love and Kyler Murray back to back in the 14th, 15th round. But I think you were one of the last teams to draft the quarterback. You go Jones and Goff here. Uh, can you answer Rich's question here? And, and I know the Dizzle is chiming in that he's comfortable with Jones and Goff as his starting quarterbacks in this format. If he was, if he was to play it, your thoughts on how far you've been pushing quarterbacks in general this season. Yeah, I, I normally don't push it this far. Um, I would say on probably a third of my teams, I have one of Mahomes, Hurts, or Allen. And then probably on um, all but maybe 
getting all the way to maybe 90% of my teams from there, you've got that next tier down to Deshaun Watson. And that's normally the range that I stay in. But if I miss on Watson, then I'm willing to wait because I don't like my my draft sheet at that point is different from what ADP is. And I'm very fine with I mean, Daniel Jones would be one of my next picks after Deshaun Watson. And I'll let those other guys take all those other quarterbacks before and just wait. Jones touchdowns this year. How many passing touchdowns, Daniel Jones? Uh, you know, I think he's got a chance at um, low 30s. Wow. wow. That's fantastic. Boy, that'll be a hell of a pick if he does. Yeah. That's And, and Waller will have 10 of them, so that's a good thing. Yeah, okay. You take- hold on, hold on, hold on, Farrell. I'm going to interrupt you here. My apologies. I want to chime back on this Daniel Jones thing. What is giving you the impetus to say, I think low 30s is a chance for him, given the veritable unknowns at wide receiver, and, and granted the addition of Darren Waller, the retention of Saquon Barkley. Why are you kind of, in my opinion, more bullish on Daniel Jones than a lot of the other high-stakes drafters? Uh, year two of the coach year two of the coach working with Daniel Jones, uh, him knowing the offense better. Um, I think he flashed last year. And plus, I mean, Daniel Jones uh, scores a lot with his legs too. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, he he does. He ran a lot last year. So I was just thinking passing TDs. I think that's ambitious, but man, if you think that you've got to get to the, you got to get to the sports book, but the, uh, yeah. Cause how many (laughs) Bucky last year? 14. Uh, I think I think it was fourteen. I'm gonna look it up and confirm 14, right he now. Ran, he ran for five, I think. I think that's right. But that's if he does that, this is a heck of a team. You know, you're a prolific drafter. You're a successful drafter. How many touchdowns, Bucky? Uh, he threw for, he threw for fifteen last 15 year. Last year. Fifteen, but but that was that was just passing as far as 2022 yeah. goes. Yeah. As far as rushing goes, uh, last year he actually ran in. Seven touchdowns. Yeah. Okay, it's impressive. Okay, so John, my question: You, and then we'll we'll take the light off Bip Lab here. How do you like your team as compared to all your others? And then do you have do you see another squad here? I see a couple I really like. But do you see another squad here that you that you're really impressed with? Um, I would say on my team, it's. You know, it's always hard to look at them on paper. Um, yeah. And I think every year when you go back and you look at the team that won it all and you look at their draft, you look at it and you're like, oh, I could have drafted that team. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of us could have it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, like, stick out to you as, as you know, mm-hmm. something overly special. Um, but, no, I think mine is pretty average compared to what I think based on – um most of my drafts and to be honest i haven't had a chance to study most of the board yet um i like i like team two i think everybody does yep absolutely by the way andrew schellenberg who um i was hoping he would pop on for a little bit tonight i was talking to him on the phone today his flight got canceled he had a six hour drive um, back to Jacksonville, Florida, where he lives. 
Um, and and he he was looking forward because he's he's actually going out of town again with his family. He was looking forward for the draft to be some sort of um, reward or or distraction from his life. <laughs> Um, but his flight got canceled. He had to drive six hours. He drafted this team, and now he's packing up and getting his family ready uh, for this upcoming weekend of travel. So God bless Andrew Schellenberg. Uh, wow. He's still drafted, as John Terry said. Drafted a really good team tonight. Anyone that travels on July 4th, you know, good weekend. God bless him. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of him. I really like what Brad uh, Petri did. You know, I, when, when he first went yeah. right in, uh, he went with Kincaid with the upside, and then he went with some solid vets. And finishing up with Ferguson, who we just don't know what that's going to look like down in Dallas. Uh, you know, that's why that guy is a consistent winner. So, as Singletary, uh, it's, it's a player. There's so many players at this time of the year that I love, John. Uh, can you tell well, us one that Carol, you – real quick, real quick, and I hate to interrupt, and I'm going to let you ask this question. If it wasn't a good joke, I wouldn't interrupt. But oh, good. Bad, Brad Petri went with the law firm at tight end in this draft, the law firm of Dalton, Dalton, Dawson, and Ferguson, which was which was like probably a popular one, right? Going forward, Dalton, Dalton, Dawson, and Ferguson, they will represent you in any sort of personal injury case, and hopefully they will help you win a million dollars in the Fantasy Pros Championship. If that Pros law firm is in Kentucky, it would have to be Dalton, 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 Jake, but that's home. The, the, uh, now, the – it's you know there's just so many players I like even Hunter Renfro who's probably going to be traded to the Giants knowing your luck but what just okay let's you're such a positive guy turn let's turn the tables give me a guy that you won't touch this year that you don't want on your roster one that is your you, you know whether you're holding a grudge for lack of performance in previous years or just whether you don't care for him at all yeah well um Gosh, I've got a few. Um, I have not. I haven't. Well, throw been, a few out there. Throw yeah, a few. I, I haven't been taking. I mean, just as I, I mentioned, like eliminating guys w- coming off injuries. I, I haven't been taking any Reese Hall, yeah. even even early fourth. It's too early. I have a couple of Javante just because it's so late. But um, I know one guy you you just mentioned on the law firm there. I, in redraft, I haven't been really taking Kincaid just because I think, you know, there's still pretty big risk that he splits with Knox and they got so many people there that I don't see him putting up big numbers year one. I, I don't think he's the top performing uh, rookie tight end. Um, and we know the rookie tight ends normally don't do not do that well out of the gate. Um, I, I don't think I'm – I haven't been taking much Jack – Josh Jacobs, I uh, don't like the contract situation, and I don't like the mileage from last year. Would, but would you like Jacobs where he's going here, which was the third round? Is that correct, Bucky? Third round, Jacobs? Where no, I, I tonight he went a little bit earlier. I think so. No, he middle I, of third round, but uh, you, no, you're right. I, I apologize. In the third Josh round. Jacobs, three oh six to uh, John Laskowski. Yeah, no, probably not. Really, where would you draft Jacobs? You know, every player has his value. You would eventually draft Jacobs where? Uh, depending on, on my – I mean, I, probably fourth round. 
which okay. Is, so which is, okay, so that's not. But you know, that. John Terry doesn't like Josh Jacobs. We now get Josh Jacobs in the seventh round once we get to play at Hollywood. He'll continue to drop, be the same place he was last year. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, Farrell, I, we're going to get to John's, um, the, the guy he's targeting here. But I want to ask this question from the YouTube chat, Pip Lab Mandel. John, <laughs> how many KFFSC teams are you drafting this year, competing against the likes of Mason Spain, Danny Mueller, myself, Pip Lab Mandel, Andrew Schellenberg, all these guys, uh, Bob, uh, Bob Hogan, uh, all these guys that we're drafting tonight, Petra and Larson as well. How many teams are you in for the KFFSC? Uh, if I am able to meet my July goal, then I will draft a few teams in the KFFC this well, year. What is your July goal? Well, I, I my goal was to do all my fantasy pros early, so I'm telling myself I can't draft any in July. We won't be seeing you in Kentucky this year then because you'll be drafting tomorrow. Tomorrow's July 1st. You'll already be on the clock tomorrow. I do do have a problem sticking with it, but I'm planning on it this year. I I just find that drafting early, a lot of the values you get, um, you know, unless something materially changes with guys that I've been targeting as we get to camp, I don't really see any reason to draft in July. Uh, I think, I think things kind of dry up a little bit as far as the, um, the values you can get. Well, I, I'm going to dry up and quit crying about you not coming to Kentucky. Cause I know this is the year that you're going to sneak over the state line and get in there and you'll need to take yeah. that t-shirt off before you come, but you know, you'll need to, you'll come on and uh, you know, somewhere to answer Bip Lab's questions, how many KFFSC teams you're going to draft this year. It's going to fall somewhere between Daniel Jones passing touchdowns last year and this year. I'll be very satisfied with that number. Anywhere between 15 and 32. So, and, you know. and, and I'll tell you this, John. Uh, like, you say, oh, there's no reason to draft in July. Yeah, I, I can see the case for that. However, if you didn't draft in April, May, or June, there is plenty of reason. For you to draft, yeah. Let, let me let me qualify that. I, I'll say for me, little reason to draft in the fantasy pros contest because I'll be doing main events, which just we're starting, are starting July fourth, and I didn't have the opportunity to do any of those earlier, so there are no early drafts from that. Yeah, right, Bunky, He's saying that he goes to the circus. The circus got three rings. He's wearing <laughs> one of the rings all the time. That's exactly <laughs> true. It's, it's totally true. Um, uh, and John, last question, and, and Farrell, I think, alluded to this. What about any of the players, when, when you look at your team from the 11 spot tonight, did you hit on any of your heavily owned players? I know you talked about Dobbins a little bit, but did you hit on any of your other heavily owned players tonight that you're like, man, I'm so glad I got this guy again? Uh, you know, not really. Not really. Wow. Was it because of the talent and, and drafting next to Bip Lab tonight? Or was it just a case of, of value uh, falling to you in other spots? Well, I, I think it's just nothing really presented itself. Uh-huh. And, and guys started going early. Like, I know I, I was listening to you guys earlier, and I know you commented on Tank Dell being a good pick in round 17. Well, you know, Three weeks ago, I was getting him around 20 every draft. So right. 
you know, you wait on them and now people start taking them earlier. So, uh, you know, it, it's hard. It, it's hard as ADP changes. Right. I, but, you know, and John, I look at your draft and, and, and I'm a fan of it. I mean, I can definitely get on board for it here uh, tonight. I, I love the way that you constructed it. This is the type of team and, and maybe this is the kiss of death. This is the type of team that I would construct if I was drafting in the Fantasy Pros Championship where you pound the running backs and receivers early. You add those mid-round tight ends. You figure out quarterbacks late, which is what you did. I love this squad. And and as far as – and we don't have the time to break down all the teams tonight. We saw several uh, teams that – at least I saw several teams that I would go to battle with. i definitely go to battle with this squad as well. When you look at all the Fantasy Pros Championship teams that you drafted is – does this one rank up there as far as one of your best that you've drafted so far? Let's say it's middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Okay. Well, and and I was talking about this on one of my other shows this week where it's like oftentimes the team that you think you killed it on in drafts uh, usually doesn't win anything. But if the teams are like, oh, God, I sucked hind, hind you know what on this one. I don't want to say it. Because I don't want to get uh, YouTube mad at me. But when, when, you, when, when you suck, hind, you know what? Um, those are the teams, oftentimes, that end up being really good, right? And and those are the teams that end up finishing in the money. And and so middle of the pack, certainly this this could work your way, man. I know you are not done yet. I know you will continue drafting. Um, this is a message to you, John Terry, and to Farrell Elliott. As best as you can, keep John Terry out of all my KFFSC leagues. And I know I won't have to face him in the FFBC as well. But good luck to you the rest of the way, John. Thank you so much for carving out some time tonight. We really appreciate it. And good luck the rest of the drafting season, Duke. All right, thanks. Have a, have a good holiday weekend. You got it. Happy fourth to you. John Terry, a winner of um, numerous FFPC leagues, the champion, the defending champion of the never-too-early best ball tournament with the FFPC as well. Farrell, uh, I, I noticed um, I have not – now here's the thing, I we will not have a show this coming week. Any show no. this coming week? No, we're not. We we can't do it because I will be in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, um, musky fishing, and I will not have good enough video internet to to do a show uh, up here or up there. Excuse me. When I leave tomorrow morning, I'm about ten hours away from leaving on a four hour drive up north. Um, so what we will do is we will not do any shows next week, but what we will do is we will have two shows the following week. We're going to do a show on Monday, July 10th, and we will also do a show uh, coming up. It would have been um, not this coming Friday, but the following Friday, which will be July 14th. We'll do two shows again. Now, people ask me, will you be covering live drafts? There's a non-zero chance of that. I don't know yet. Just give me some time. We'll work it out. Follow at HSFFO on Twitter, at Eric Balkman, at FFPC. And that is the best way to know what we will be covering here on this channel. In the meantime, KFFSE.com, at Elliott on Twitter, at official on Twitter. That is where you can find out all the leagues to join the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. I'm going to be with my family for the next 10 days here. I will be jonesing for Kentucky drafts. So I'm sure I will be joining at least one of the slow drafts going on in the run to daylight, the KFFSC main events, which will be coming up. Uh, as far as drafting goes soon, I encourage everybody to join against uh, join uh, me to, to or join the KFFC to compete against me, John Terry, Bip, Lad Mandel, a lot of the players, Bob Hogan, Mason Spain, who will be competing in that. Join those. It's a lot of fun. And of course, at the FFPC, Farrell, be good. 
We will talk with you again uh, basically on July 10th will be our next show here. See you then, Bucky. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, joining the show tonight. I want to thank uh, not only Farrell Elliott for, for joining the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight, the Hooterville Arnolds, Bob Hogan, Jason Nestler, Remy LeBeau. That's Gambit for X-Men fans out there. Biplab Mandel, John Terry, who was very gracious with his time after the draft tonight. The FFPC, Rob, our audio engineer, and my best friend. Or, excuse me, Rob, our audio engineer, and our mutual friend. And then my best friend, Bryce. Uh, and, of course, each and every one of you for tuning in tonight. So, like I said, Monday, July 10th, we will have a show. That is a big week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I cannot confirm. I don't know if we're covering a live FFPC best ball tournament on Sunday the night. There's a non-zero chance of that. But we will be doing a high-stakes fantasy football hour on July 10th. We will be covering a live fantasy pros championship draft on July 11th. Wednesday will mark the July edition of the High Stakes Lowdown, the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown. That will be going off at 10 o'clock Eastern time, Wednesday night. And then Thursday, we will have the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network stream live on all the FFPC channels. That is going to be um, Chris Allen from Fantasy Life. Uh, me and him will chop it up for two hours. That's going to that's be a lot of fun. And then we will do a bonus High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour coming up that uh, Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, July 15th, I believe that's, no, July 14th, sorry. July 14th, we'll do two HSFF hours that week. Since we will have no HSFF hours next week, I just don't have the internet bandwidth to do it. So we are loaded up for bear uh, the second week of July. And before you know it, we're covering the pros versus Joe's drafts coming up late in July. Remember, you can win a pair of a million-dollar grand prizes at myffpc.com in the FFPC main event and the Fantasy Pros Championship. Play fantasy football year-round with Dynasty Leagues at myffpc.com, 1,300-plus leagues. Over nearly a decade we've been running them. Not a single one has ever folded. If you want to continue to hang out and watch all this great fantasy football advice, fantasy football drafts on the YouTube channel, make sure you are doing that right now by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, commenting on the video, sharing it, and getting notified. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching. Your weekend officially starts, and happy 4th, your weekend, your holiday weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. To recap, it pains me that we cannot uh, broadcast anymore, at least with me on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, until July 14th. But rest assured, we're going to have plenty of stuff going on at the uh, YouTube channel with the FFPC. Aiden LaCorey and Dave Terpoli, is, are, they're going to be covering a ton of Fantasy Pros Championship drafts, a ton of FFPC Best Ball Tournament drafts. Remember, you can participate in these when you log on to myffpc.com. Look for the Live on HSFF Hour live on FFPC YouTube, and you can have your uh, drafts critiqued right here on this channel. And quite frankly, there's a non-zero chance we might send you a link to join the broadcast tonight so you can join it like Biplab Mandel, Bob Hogan, uh, Jason Nessler, uh, John Terry all did tonight so you can talk about your draft. Give us the method behind the madness. 
I won't talk with you for about a week, week plus or so. Happy 4th to everybody. Thank you to all the veterans that have served our country. We really appreciate that. Um, and, and words don't do it justice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We could not do this show without you. And of course the FFPC as well. Uh, happy 4th, everybody. We will talk with you again, or at least I will talk with you again in about a week and a half. Hopefully, hopefully I have a musky to show for it when I go musky fishing, um, starting tomorrow. It's going to be exciting. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, good luck in all your fantasy football drafts. Hopefully the ball bounces your way this season. Talk with you again shortly.